Welcome to a crossover episode of the Wolverine and Spartan Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Aaron McMahon. And I'm Matt Wenzel. Michigan and Michigan State will compete on the football field for the 115th time on Saturday night. The Spartans have won the last two meetings, but how are they and the Wolverines different teams this season? What are the key matchups to look for and which team has the edge? We answer those questions and more coming up. All right, Aaron and Matt, good to be with you here talking Thursday morning, uh, October 27th. Uh, I, I know, you know, at least one of you would, would hope that we were about 48 hours away from kickoff uh, at Michigan Stadium, but <laughs> but we're not. By that point, we'll just we'll still have quite the weight. Uh, and, you know, the players and coaches do, too. It was, it was interesting. I don't know if that came up on your side so much, Matt, this week, I guess, with having several night games already, maybe not. But uh, certainly from the, the Michigan side, it was, you know, they're excited for more energy in the stadium. But also some players are like, yeah, it's a, it's a long it's a long wait just to, you know, you're, you're antsy, uh, you know, for for actual kickoff. Did, did it come up in East Lansing this week? Yeah. And it's pretty much the same thing every time it gets brought up. You know, the it's, same, you know, exactly what those guys will, will say. You know, it's yeah, we don't care. We'll play the game whenever. But, you know, it is a long day. You know, you you know, you're at the hotel, you have meetings and you're watching football on TV and they're just, you know, they're ready to go. But there's also the excitement factor. You know, these guys will tell you they like playing in, in the night games. They, they know what the atmosphere is like, the environment, you know, you get the Friday night lights quotes a lot. So I think you get, you know, without knowing exactly what was said in, in Ann Arbor this week, just, you know, historically, it seems like just about everybody says about the same thing uh, every year when it comes to the night games. Saturday supposed to be a beautiful day here. It would have been a perfect, perfect uh, day for, you know, an afternoon kickoff. 63 is the high and sunny, but in, into the 30s at some point, I hopefully not when they're actually playing football, but it'll it'll be it'll be colder by the time, um, you know, they're actually they're actually playing there on Saturday night. But shouldn't be too bad. No, no rain in the forecast. And that's key. All right. So since this is a you know crossover episode, we've got, you know, bringing in listeners that that aren't used to to hearing my voice or Matt's voice. Let's kind of recap somewhat briefly where each team is at this season, you know, compared to last. So we can start with you, Matt, you know, Michigan state seven and zero going into the game with Michigan last year, won that game, of course, uh, then had a couple setbacks, but in the end, you know, won a, won a impressive bowl game, you know, had high expectations coming into this year, but uh, it hasn't exactly happened for them. Why not? <laughs> a lot of reasons. It is obviously a disappointing season. When you win 11 games last year um, and the the talk coming out from guys is that we're a better, we're a more complete team. We're, we're a deeper team going into this year. Yeah, we lost Kenneth Walker. We lost you know, Jalen Naylor, you know, Fort Connor Hayward. They, they lost, they lost guys. Um, but, you know, the belief was that they, they would be even better, you know, another year in the system, but it just, it just doesn't have, hasn't happened. I think, Going last year set up well for them to get off to a hot hot start. Uh, it was still surprising. I mean, nobody was picking them to win eleven games last year, um, but the schedule set up well for them to do so. This year coming in, you knew you were going to find out what they had earlier. Um, you had the trip to Washington, you know, and then this the start to Big Ten play with you know Minnesota, go to Maryland, Ohio State, Wisconsin, then you know Michigan obviously coming up. You, their their fate was going to be in the Big Ten race was going to be determined uh, earlier than last year um, when they went to when uh, you know they went to Ohio State and got throttled. Um, it, it just it hasn't happened. You know they you know they are they have regressed in just about every way. 
Um, you lose four straight games by double digits. You know, it's just it wasn't a very good team, obviously, for that stretch of a month. Um, I thought the Minnesota game was was probably the the worst that they put together. That they just got absolutely run over. But you know, get a chance to to put something together here the the last uh, what five weeks. So and that's where they're at. You know, they're fighting for a bowl berth now, not a not a Big Ten title uh, and spot in the playoff. And that's that's just the reality of it. Uh, and and Aaron, Michigan. You know, they that that loss to Michigan State was it was a catalyst for them. I mean, they really rallied after that, you know, went on to beat Ohio State for the first time in a decade, get to the Big Ten championship, win that, get to the college football playoff. I mean, just a, a banner year for them. But when you lose some of the stars that they did, there were questions. Was this kind of a not a fluke, but could they maintain that momentum? And so far they have. Yeah, they've largely picked up where they, they left off last year. They entered this season as a as a top 10 team, at least in the rankings. Um, I think some folks had questions of how good they, they could be, how good they would be. Um, and so far, I mean, it's been it's been very much the same of last year I mean, and just with very different guys. I mean, they got a different starting quarterback, a couple of different guys up front, of the offensive line, um, some new faces on defense, and they've they've kind of answered the, the bell, um, done a very good job. They're still running the football very well. Um, the, the, the schedule wasn't very, um, was very easy to start the year, uh, cupcake, non-conference schedule. They handled that very well. Um, they had some hiccups early in the big 10 schedule against Maryland at home, kind of settled in and figured them out, went on the road and got a good one in Iowa. Um, uh, they, they dealt with Indiana and then I think, um, the biggest victory. And I think the biggest statement they've made this year was just a couple of weeks ago against Penn state. Uh, blowing them out, winning forty-one to seventeen, and you know when you look at the box score, I don't think it was even it could it it shouldn't have been that close either. Uh, so Michigan's very much. I mean, the ground game is strong again with Blake Corum back. Um, the defense is getting pressure from all three levels. Uh, this is a this is a humming team that's picked up where it left off last year, and at, right now, you know, is in contention to re- potentially repeat as a Big Ten title and, and return to the playoff. So that's kind of big picture looking back. We will do a little more big picture looking ahead uh, at the end of this episode. But in between, let's let's do some kind of nuts and bolts of, of Saturday's game and what to expect on the field. Uh, we'll start with the Michigan offense versus the Michigan State defense. Um, you know, Michigan State is is next to last in the Big Ten and, you know, total yards, uh, you know, allowed per game. Um, and it's it sort of seems like the pass defense is is once again. Not very strong, but, you know, the rush defense isn't isn't up there, you know, near the top of the Big Ten either. Um, you know, Michigan, meanwhile, is 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 just putting up points at a, at a really high level. Um, you know, there's six in the country in points per game. Um, you know, they, they mostly do it on the ground, but but I think they can throw. They might even be better equipped to, to throw the ball than they were last year with a new quarterback. Um, so, yeah, I kind of let you guys go back and forth here, but maybe we can start with Aaron about, you know, what Michigan you know does so well offensively. Yeah, it's very much a carbon copy of last year. I mean, they're, they want to dominate the line of scrimmage with the offensive line. They want to run the football uh, and they want to keep doing it. Uh, and they're going to continue to do it until they're stopped. Now, the, the interesting thing going into this game, it's, it's very much a similar situation to last year where they were running the ball and winning games on the ground and the like, and they ended up turning to, to the pass game last year to kind of open things up. I, I obviously don't know what the game plan is going to be Saturday, but Based on what we've seen so far this year, Michigan's going to want to try and establish the line of scrimmage and, and establish their dominance up front. Um, Blake Corum's off to another fantastic year. Um, he's top five in, in the country in yards, uh, tied for first in the country in rushing TDs. They've been giving him the ball a healthy, healthy amount. 
uh, this year. He's, he's averaging anywhere, like 25 carries per game. Michigan as a team is averaging 41 carries per game. So they want to do it on the ground. Um, now, that's not to say that they will on Saturday. I obviously don't know the game plan. But as you mentioned, they are more equipped to throw the ball. Uh, something we last year we talked about it a ton with, with Cade McNamara, where they didn't want to take too many deep shots down the field. There were more check downs. He was acted more as a game manager. Cade, or J.J. McCarthy is a little bit different. He's a little bit more mobile in the pocket. He can get outside, run the football when necessary. He isn't afraid to take the deep shot, and they have tried at times this year that haven't necessarily been you know, particularly successful doing it, um, but they're more willing to do it. So I, I think this Michigan offense is a little bit more dynamic than it was last year, uh, even when Cade McNamara, I mean, it was a career game for him last year, throwing for 300 yards. Uh, he had a fantastic game. You can go back and say right now, I think confidently that was his best game in a Michigan uniform. Uh, so I, I'm really curious to see how they how they approach their game plan this week. Um, do they stick to the plan that they they've run the first seven games, where they want to gobble up those rushing yards and do it on the ground? Or are they going to turn the passing game to to you know uh, change things up? As I think Matt can help us answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if Michigan wants to run the ball and and do it until a team stops them, is Michigan State that team that can stop them? Yeah, exactly. I can tell you that what Michigan is doing offensively, exactly what Mel Tucker and, and OCJ Jensen would like to do. I mean, that's what they want to do is run the ball just like that. And it just, it hasn't happened since, you know, they, they got out of the uh, the two MAC teams in the uh, non-conference portion of the schedule. Um, defensively, stopping the run was, I mean, that's been this program's identity. They're bread and butter since, you know, going back to D'Antonio's days. Um, and they were, they were pretty, still pretty good about at it last year. I think they were 15th in the country or whatever. Um, this year, it, it hasn't happened. Um, really, it was the start of Big Ten play where Minnesota just ran right over them. Um, and, and, you know, so they've given up the last four games. They've given up, uh, you know, more than 200 yards rushing in two of them to Minnesota and Ohio State. Uh, even Maryland ran for 175. Um so it just it just hasn't been that good this year. They're 79th in the country in rushing defense. Um, part of that is, you know, you can say injuries have played certainly a factor. Um, Jacob Slade, that one of the, arguably their top defensive tackle, either him or Simeon Barrow, he missed what four straight games before coming back last week. Uh, starting defensive end Jeff Petrowski's been out since the Washington getting hurt at Washington. Uh, the guy who replaced him, Chris Bogle, got hurt the next week. Um, they've had depth missing there. Some other guys banged up in the middle and. You know, in, you know, Darius Snow, who they thought was going to be a real key to this defense this year. He was a nickel or, or safety starter last year. He moved to linebacker this offseason. They thought that really that hybrid role where he was going to be great in matchups. And, and he suffered, a, you know, unfortunately suffered a season ending injury in the opener. And they've, they've clearly missed him. So you go go back to last week where they played Wisconsin. And it's a run, obviously, you know, run heavy Wisconsin, as always. Uh, Michigan State moved off their their. 4-2-5 base defense, and they played a lot of 4-3. Not that they had never used it before, but they were using it a lot. Um, and Jacoby Winman, who moved, you know, the UNLV transfer in the offseason, moved from linebacker to DN uh, late in fall camp, had five and a half sacks first two weeks. Uh, the season was great. And then you didn't really hear from him because other teams were just loading up to stop him. Um, they moved him back to linebacker against Wisconsin, and he damn near won the game for him, you know? I mean, he has... Uh, team high 11 tackles. He has an interception that leads to their first touchdown. He has a forced fumble in the second overtime uh, on Wisconsin. Um, so he's a guy you definitely look out for. And they, and they, the shift in the four, three, uh, so four, two, five to start the year was uh, Cal Halliday. Um, and then when snow was hurt, uh, um, 
Ben Van Sumeren, who you guys will remember, a former Wolverine. He was the starter um, last, well, not well, two weeks ago against Wisconsin. Um, Halliday remained in the middle, and then it was primarily uh, Winman and, and Aaron Brule, transfer addition from Mississippi State, that were your primary linebackers that game. And they'll line Winman up on the edge and third down as a rusher still, but that's just something to look at for this game. Um, you know, they they know <laughs> they're very well aware of what Michigan's been doing on the ground. You know, Mel talked about it. Uh, the defensive players talked about it. Winman in particular was like, I'm looking forward to this game. You know, as a linebacker, this is what you want chance to go out there and hit some guys. So, um, yeah, big, big, uh, huge steps with them defensively. I mean, what Michigan ran for what 418 yards against Penn State. I mean, just absolutely ridiculous numbers. So, uh, you know, you look at the comparison, Minnesota is a really good rushing team. Um, with well, Ohio State can do whatever they want, and and those didn't fare too well for them. Wisconsin, pretty good running team, not not in Michigan's level. Um, but they were able to, I think, hold hold them to 3.9 yards per carry. So a little bit of positives to take from from the the win and the bye, but uh, and they're getting healthier with Hendr- Xavier Henderson and Jacob Slade were back that week, and that makes a huge difference. But uh Michigan will be the, the biggest challenge to date on the ground. It seems like an encouraging performance heading into this game to try to make Michigan be two-dimensional offensively. Now, from our side, we thought that was going to be the case against Penn State. We kind of, several of us predicting it'd be kind of a breakout game for J.J. McCarthy, maybe even have to use his legs more or, you know, just throw more given that Penn State's run defense numbers coming in. And uh, that was that was not the case at all. They didn't they did not have to do that. Um, and if you don't have to, you're why? Uh, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see if this game is is different. Um, let, let's look at the other side. Uh, you know, when Michigan State has the ball, you know, there's there's two things that, that jump out to me. And, and the first is just what Michigan side has been saying. I, I don't <laughs> think they mean it as disrespect, but so many of them have just said, well, that number nine guy is not on the team anymore. Like problem solved. Uh, I mean. It's not wrong. I've never really seen a running back single-handedly win a game the way he did in last year's game. Uh, Matt, has he has his absence really been the reason for the kind of the step back in in performance from that side of the ball, or are there other issues? There are other issues, but I mean that's the obvious one everybody's going to point to. Um, I mean, you look at it seven games through the season right now, or through last season, Walker had. 997 rushing yards and nine touchdowns, I believe is the number. They don't even have that as a team right now. Um, they clearly miss him. I mean, there's no there's no getting around it. I mean, you don't have the Dolk Walker winner and who should have been a Heisman finalist in your backfield. That's just there's no getting around that. There's no replacing it. And they've talked about that. They know what's out there. They know the chatter and the guys, I think, will take a little offense to that. Um, but they also say that, you know, uh, Kenneth would be the first person to tell you it wasn't just me. And he would well, last year. I mean, that's all you talk about. Oh, it's just the offensive lines doing great and yada, yada, yada. Uh, but the, he, he was a singular talent and you see what he's doing in the NFL right now. Um, some of the similar things, but so offensively, yeah, they, they thought, you know, Mel kind of went, to, not that he thought he was going to get another Kenneth Walker in the portal. Cause you, you may never get that again, you know, that, you know, other than like you get up, situation like you know uh, what's his name uh the transfer to uh usc the quarterback why am i blanking yeah thank you uh you know stuff like that some sort of weird move but kenneth being kind of a virtual unknown not that he wasn't productive to to be to do what he did um anyways mel got two more transfers in the backfield um jalen berger from wisconsin drew prasar from colorado and thought you know kind of a combo 
you know, and then mix in somebody, you got one of the returners, we can make up for the ground game, you know, the loss of Walker through multiple guys through two weeks. It looked good. You know, Berger had a couple hundred yard games. Broussard flashed a little bit against uh, lowly Akron. Uh, since then, it, it just uh, hasn't happened. You know, they, they are averaging, what is it, 47 or whatever yards per game rushing since. It's it just, hey, they just have not been able to move the ball effectively on the ground. Don't know how else to really put that. It doesn't help when, especially in the losing streak, you're facing significant deficit early in, in these games. You can't really commit to trying to run the ball because, I mean, you're trying to play catch up. Um so there were some encouraging signs against Wisconsin. You know, they still only rushed for, what, 99 yards, I think, as a team. But they had a couple of rushing scores. Berger still flashed at times. And Elijah Collins has been, you know, former starter in 2019. Looked like a breakout. He was a breakout year for him. He almost had 1,000 yards and just set back since then. Um, but he has worked his way uh, to take some carries away from Broussard and be, be a bigger part of the rotation. Um, and then, obviously, the absence of Kenneth Walker means defenses are not going to respect you running the ball like they did a year ago um, when Michigan State, what do they have, like four flea flicker touchdowns just because the threat that he presented in the backfield, they don't have that this year. And that has made life harder on Peyton Thorne. Uh, he's seen different defenses, and he has not been consistent this year. Um, he's struggled in some games, but again, that's another one where coming off the, the Wisconsin game, he that was probably his best game of the season statistically it didn't look ridiculously good but you know he was efficient through for a couple touchdowns no turnovers and that's been a key um because he's been you know kind of interception prone uh he's 11 touchdowns to seven interceptions this season uh his number his average average number of yards thrown per game is down from a year ago um so, yeah, I mean, I think that's part of the Walker effect and part of it just kind of Thorne maybe pressing a little bit, trying to do too much at times. But he does have some weapons out there. Jaden Reed's still one of the best receivers in the Big Ten. Uh, obviously, Michigan fans remember him from last year. No nailer. Uh, he's in the NFL. But Keon Coleman, a sophomore, also plays basketball. Very athletic kid, six foot four, six foot five. He is a you know, very talented guy. Uh, can go up and get the ball. Trey Mosley is a very solid uh, receiver, kind of underrated. Um, and then they have some other guys, uh, Daniel Barker, tight end transfer from Illinois, Malik Carr, tight end. Those are guys to look for offensively, but their offensive line has struggled. The running game has struggled. And when you are a team that wants to be able to establish the run that you're committed to doing that and you haven't been able to do that, you're going to have problems. Aaron, what's been the key to Michigan's defense kind of not missing a beat despite losing, you know, some some stars from last year? Yeah, you hit it. I mean, they've been very balanced. Uh, I think coming into the year, there were a lot of questions up front with where the pass rush would come from. When you lose Aiden Hutchinson and David Ajabo and that type of production, um, I don't think anyone knew where the production was going to come. I can remember talking to coaches in the offseason, and they're like, yeah, we are not. We don't have a, another Aiden. So it's got to come from multiple people, and it has. I mean, 15 different players have been in on a sack this year for Michigan. Their sack leader has five. Mike Morris, um, he and he's come on in recent games, but they've very much been doing it with with a uh, large group of players. They've been substituting frequently. Um, they've been changing it up package wise. Um, so they're bringing in fresh bodies and, and rotating guys in uh, constantly that kind of give opponents different looks. And I think I'm assuming that's what Michigan's going to want to do on Saturday. Obviously, we'll get into tempo in a little bit, but how they deal with that would be key. Um, but they've just been a very Balanced group. They're number five statistically in the country in every major category. Uh, points allowed, rushing yards allowed, passing yards allowed. 
Um, so they're not, really not doing it one way. It's it's been a group group, group effort here. Um, they've got some experience in the secondary. Yes, they lost Daxon Hill at safety and Brad Hawkins. Some experienced guys have been around a while, but that brought in a couple of corners who Michigan State fans might remember from a couple of years ago in 2020 when they torched Michigan secondary. Well, that these corners are largely the same guys, and they're, they're very much improved. Jamon Green has has kind of developed himself into a top tier cornerback. Um, to the point where opponents have largely ignored him in the last couple of weeks, throwing the ball to his side. So I'm really curious to see how Michigan State's passing game deals with that. Um, but D.J. Turner has been a guy who's steadily improved in recent years. Um, it, it, the only real question mark for me, at least for Michigan's defense, is, is, is the second level of linebackers. They've been rather inconsistent this year. Um, they've, they're really thin there, too. Um, so Michigan's really deployed largely this year a 4-2-5 look. They'll, they'll obviously go to different different at different times, go 3-4. Um, but they, they really they really um, hedged their bets, so to speak, on, on a five-man secondary. Uh, Mike Sanders still is an interesting name, a former receiver for Michigan who's made the, the change over to defense. He's really he's turned turned into a starter caliber player. They like what they've had. Um, but yeah, Michigan's done it on, on really all three levels of the defense this year. They're, you can't really point to one area and say, okay, this is their strength because they don't really have any strengths. They just do a lot of a lot of things well. Um, Jim Harbaugh talked this week about their their emphasis in getting to the football and getting rallying seven, eight, nine guys, to the football at all times, um, because they don't have a lot of guys that can necessarily win one-on-one matchups. And they've had, to so they've had to rely on a bunch of guys. And it goes back to my original point where um, you expect to see a lot of guys rotated in and out. They, they like to substitute often. Uh, and that's kind of how they've been so successful so far. Yep. Of course you can't do that if the other team is, you know, tempo going tempo and, and no huddle and stuff like that, which is so funny to me this isn't like a new concept of football and yet we're several questions rightfully so this week to, on Michigan side where how they deal with it and I guess that's that's really because of of how last year's game went right I mean for for both of you I'm, I'm not really remembering has Michigan really struggled with it much much this year or do you you know do you expect Michigan State to to deploy that on Saturday yeah, they haven't had to deal with it a lot this year. That's the thing. And that was, I think, what caught them off guard so much last year. They hadn't really faced much tempo going into that Michigan State game. So I don't think they – I'm sure they prepared for it, but to prepare for it in practice is one thing, and to do it and execute it in the game is a, is a different, a totally different beast. So I, I think they're better prepared, but that's the thing with this Michigan defense. And it goes back to last year when Mike McDonald came in and kind of installed this new, um, a little bit more – um, complicated defense where they had different packages for different situations and they've got different looks for different things. So it requires constant substituting and constant changing. Whereas a few years back when Don Brown was here, everyone, you know, you criticize him and the system he had and everything else, but they're very consistent. They largely play with the same guys. It was a lot of one-on-ones and they kind of knew their assignments and there wasn't a ton of change. But because I think one of the reasons why Michigan was so successful last year defensively is because there was so much variety. Uh, and with that, sometimes you, you when you go up against an offense you're not familiar facing or at a different speed, do you, you have trouble adjusting? And they did last year. Um, Indiana posed some of that this year. Michigan, it took them a little bit time, I'd say a, lar- a large part of the first half to adjust, and, and they did. Um, but, yeah, I mean, that, it remains a, a thing. I don't know how much tempo Michigan State's pushing this year. Obviously, Mac can answer that better than I can. Um, but that remains, I think, uh, maybe the one sticking point here on, on Saturday. Yeah, I remember last year, um, what was it? The, I think it was Walker's first touchdown or second. I think it was when they had the fourth and one and that little tricky play. They they went over the top to Naylor and Michigan subbing guys, and they just come right up to the line. And 
they might have had 13 guys on the field and weren't set and Walker just runs in. It just looks sloppy. And there were, there were a couple of times, if I remember right, they just caught him off guard. Um, Peyton Thorne was asked about that um, this week. And if I remember right, he was at, it was like a two-part question. Like, and I, it's been a long week, so you have to forgive me, but I'm pretty, pretty sure his answer was in 2020, they went into the game with a plan to attack up top. Uh, even though Peyton was the starting quarterback, it was Rocky. Um, and then last year, it was kind of just in-game, taking advantage of it. I'm sure that's something Jay Johnson saw going into the game and been like, oh, they like to take their time substituting guys. Well, we'll make them, you know, we're going to bring bring it up to the line quickly and and force them to, you know, we're either going to get them off guard or, or force them to adjust. But um, this season, they have tried to do that at times, um, and they it's something that can be successful at times. The problem is, again, you go back to an offense that is not moving the ball nearly as effectively as last year. You don't have Walker in the backfield. How effective can you be in hurry up when you don't get first downs? You know, you I mean, if your defense, you know, in some of these games, you know, your their defense has been on the field for 12, 15 play drives or whatever. You get the ball and you're going three and out. You really want to do that in 30 seconds? Or do you want to at least take a minute and a half off the clock while you're at, you know, it's when you don't have that, that run threat like Walker and, and it, that just makes, again, makes everything difficult, more difficult. And when your offense isn't as effective moving the ball, the tempo thing, how, how effective can that really be at times that sometimes that's when Thorne looks his best, you know, um, you can use those that short passing game to simulate the run game. Um, but again, they just haven't been extremely effective doing it. So we'll see this weekend uh, whether they can, you know, get a little bit going in that direction. Um, and, and again, if I haven't can't say, you know, I was paying I've been paying a great deal of attention to Michigan's substitution pattern under a new D.C. But uh, if it is similar, then, you know, that could be a thing uh, on Saturday. But uh, again, uh, different situation for MSU kind of get into a prediction here as we as we start to wrap up but first I just kind of want to say what what's at stake for the in, in this game I mean there's it's always huge I mean they're playing for for a trophy it's it's the Michigan side at least calls it the state championship um you know obviously just a huge rivalry um but it's different than last year because both teams are not in the top 10 both teams are not undefeated Michigan State is is struggling uh so Matt I mean is this a way to kind of almost be a, a season saver kind of regardless of what happened before and maybe even what happens, uh, you know, as early as next week at Illinois, um, you know, you beat Michigan. It, it can't be a terrible year. Is that fair to say? <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty fair to say. I mean, especially from a fan perspective, mm-hmm. those people like you already know, this season's a disappointment. I think there were people checking out weeks ago. Um, but if they were to somehow, some way, pull off another one of those improbable wins, yeah, I mean, the fans will just, it'll be in their ear all the, for the next 300 and however many, 60, however many days it is, what is it, the 21st next year they play? Uh-huh. So, and Mel, you know, first coach to start 2-0 against Michigan, against Michigan in program history. So, yeah, that's there. And no matter what happens the rest of the year, they would be able to say, well, at least we beat Michigan. Um, now, What's really at stake moving ahead is, is like I mentioned earlier, this is a team fighting for a bowl game. Yeah. Um, you, you know, the math, you know, minus trying to sneak in at five and seven with the high APR score, you've got to get to six wins and that doesn't look great right now for, for them. You know, they've got five games left three are on the road against ranked teams in Michigan, Illinois, and Penn state. They'll obviously be underdogs in all of those games. 
and then you get Rutgers and Indiana at home. Those clearly look like your most winnable games. So the outlook is you got to win those two games at home and steal one on the road. Um, this looks like the <laughs> the toughest one to try and do so, but you know that's just the reality of, of what they're facing uh, the last uh, month and change. And Aaron, we already know. I mean, what's going on with Michigan when you're in the you know Big Ten title hunt and a playoff hunt? You know, you you can't really afford any slip ups. Granted, much like last year, they could lose this game. You know, run the table, beat Ohio State, beat win the Big Ten championship. You're then you're you're still Big Ten champs, and you're still probably going to the playoffs. So from that perspective, it's not a huge deal. But again, just given that, okay, Michigan, Michigan State has won two in a row in this rivalry, three out of five, six out of the last nine, and ten out of the last fourteen, which takes us all the way back to since Lloyd Carr's retirement. Um, now that's that's Michigan's record. Uh, you know, against against Michigan State is is you know not good, uh, losing ten of fourteen. So uh, you know Jim Harbaugh is three and four against Michigan State. This is a way to to even it and and kind of maybe get back on top um, in this rivalry. So I guess Aaron, do you think that will happen, or is there a chance um, you know for Michigan to to slip up in this game again? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, you hit on all the great points. I mean, overarching long term is they, they obviously need this win to, to keep momentum going and to keep their record unblemished and stay in the top five and everything else. I'm hoping to get in the Big Ten and the, the, the college football playoff. But yeah, I think maybe more so than anything, it's it's the bragging rights thing, right? Like you said, Jim Harbaugh's three and four. He said this week, and he wasn't lying. You know, he, he was frank about it. I I really want to win this game. I mean, he, he has a losing record against the Spartans. There's been some close contested games there. Um, you know, when the season began, Jim laid out the goals for Michigan this year, and goal number one was to beat Michigan State, and then obviously beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten championship. So I think everything's still on the line there. I think they realize the magnitude of this. Um, they, they obviously are coming off back to back losses that that really stung. Um, so I, this seems like a dedicated focus group and hearing the last hearing play, the players talk the last couple of weeks, they're not looking past this game. You maybe could have made the argument years past. They were overlooking this game. Um, it, I don't think that's the case this year. They seem really dialed in. And, and I think the, the, the phrase thrown around this week uh, by almost everyone is laser focused. And I, I truly believe that that seems to be the case to me. Um, so I'm expecting the Michigan to come out and, and kind of systematically just, just beat Michigan state. I, I think they're going to try and start at the ground I think they're going to obviously try and score first. That's been their kind of MO all season long, get on the scoreboard first and then dictate the pace of play. Um, you know, they were able to do that last year and it obviously didn't work. Uh, you know, it kind of uh, you know, fell apart on them. But as as mad as detailed, this Michigan State offense just isn't nearly as powerful as it was last year. They don't have that one strength that they can, can kind of lean on. So I think Michigan, by and large, I think they have the more talented players. I, I do think they're they're motivated, maybe more so than previous years. Um, and then, you know, they're coming off. They know what's at stake. I mean, obviously the rivalry is a big thing, but you've got Ohio State looming in, in another month. They want to repeat as Big Ten champions and do everything else uh, th that they did last year. So I, and this is the first step to that. And I think they acknowledge that um, I expect Michigan to come out and win this game and win it handedly. Um, I don't expect many slip ups. Well, that being said, I mean, I've been wrong about this game in the past. I think many of us have been, you know, I. I uh, a couple of years ago, it was a very similar situation. I mean, not this point at this point in the season, but Michigan was coming off a season winning season opening win over Minnesota. Uh, they were entered as what twenty to twenty one point favorites at home again in Ann Arbor, and, and Michigan State came in and, and clobbered them. Um, I'm not expecting that on Saturday, although I guess it wouldn't shock me if Michigan State pulled off an upset. But I, I, I you know, I'm, I'm expecting a Michigan win, and I think I expect them to coast. I don't think they're going to cover the spread, but I think they end up winning this fight by three scores. 
mad. I even feel like we're on like, you know, around the horn or something. I'm looking at the clock here. Uh, so I'm put, putting you on the clock. But uh, yeah, I guess. Do you think Michigan State showed enough against Wisconsin two weeks ago and maybe get in the bye to get some guys back healthy, can ride some sort of momentum and pull off an upset? Or, or does like too much need to go right in them for this game that it's almost not, you don't see it happening? Well, first going back to, you know, some of those years where you thought it was going to go in way and it didn't. Aaron, yeah. you want to take a guess what you and I picked as the uh, scores in 2020? <laughs> uh, I probably picked Michigan to win by several scores, just like this week. You had it 42 to 14. I had it 41 to 17. So uh, I'm throwing out everything from 2020. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those are always fun to go back and look at. Uh, this has been, you know, since D'Antonio got there, he prioritized this rivalry and made it a game that was different than every other game. Um, and that showed. And I don't think the same can be said for, for Michigan. Uh, you know, 10 of 14 kind of will prove that. You know, not to say they took them lightly or thought they were going to roll, but I think Michigan State as a program has just treated this game differently than Michigan has, and, and there's a reason for their success. That said, there's nothing I've seen <laughs> this season so far statistically and, you know, the, the stupid eyeball test or whatever you want to call it, just the way these teams have looked that make me think that this is a game Michigan State is likely to win. Um, I just there's just they would have to play their best game. Get, you know, everything needs to go right for them. Um, so I, 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 I hesitate to pick it being a, a blowout um, just because. I don't know. It seems like every time you think that's going to happen, it doesn't happen. I just think Michigan just looks like the better team. And unless Michigan State can really, you know, put something together and have some magic, I think I picked uh, Michigan to win uh, 35 to 17. All right. We'll have our official picks post coming uh, on Friday as well. But yeah, we'll have full wall to wall coverage of Michigan, Michigan State leading up to the game, during the game, and of course, after the game at MLive.com slash Wolverines, MLive.com slash Spartans. Thank you for listening to this special crossover episode.